Blog Talk Radio. Deliverance.com here on blogtalkradio.com. My name is Stephen Lee, and I'll be your pastor. <laughs> My name is Pastor Steve Lee, and I'll be your host <laughs> for the next hour or so. If you're listening to us on a simulcast during the hours of 9 o'clock p.m. to 11 o'clock p.m. on the Monday night time slot, we are so glad to have you. But if you're listening to us on any other social media platforms or during any other times of the week, Please contact us here at LiveDeliverance.com and give us the times, dates, and locations or platforms that you're listening to us on. Although we would love to proliferate the airways, we must do it legally, ethically, and in righteousness. If you hear our content through any other means, it is the result of Internet, pir- the internet piracy <laughs> and copyright infringement. And all of those who participate in any Internet piracy are, can be are persecuted by federal agents. Now, having said all that, let us now get down to the kingdom business. So go ahead and get a pen and some paper. And if you have any comments or any questions, at the end of the ministry, we'll give you an opportunity to ask those questions or to make those comments. So now if you would join me in a word of prayer as we sanctify our time together. Father, I ask you to speak to me so that I can hear. Awaken me the mind of Christ. Open my eyes that I might behold wondrous things out of your word. Breathe on me so that I can speak, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Flow through me and cause me to move by your spirit. Let healing and deliverance break forth in this place, in this time, because of your word, your spirit, and your love. Live big in me. I now decrease so that you can increase. Holy Spirit, glorify Jesus in my life as I now share the living word, the bread of life. Jesus revealed to us the Father and draw us into his presence where there is fullness of joy. Heavenly Father, 
quiet our hearts and minds as we allow the peace of God to rule in our lives. Cause us to grow in the grace that has appeared unto all men as you teach us how we should live in this present world. May we now awake to righteousness and slumber no more by walking in the spirit and in the fullness of his grace as we sojourn in the land of promise, going from faith to faith and from glory to glory. For you've made us more than conquerors in this life through Christ Jesus. So speak to our hearts and our minds and as we allow you to develop what's necessary for us in this time. I ask it and receive it as done. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Well, beloved, uh, today we'd like to uh, make a modification, if you would, to the subject title. Um, this was an, a, a, a living word and abiding faith uh, that we're going to talk about. But um, a living and abiding word uh, that, that we have has to be already on the inside of you. So with that in mind, I'm going to kind of put a parenthesis around this, is to stir up the gift that's in you. See, a lot of times we don't think that God has already uh, done the work that's necessary for our lives. But he's given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. I didn't say he will give you. He said he has, past tense, given this to you. So there is something that abides on the inside, and our job would be stir it up, to cause it to come uh, to fruition so that it can be active in our lives. Every promise of God requires corresponding actions from us. His word must be resident in our minds, and it must become active in our lives. Romans chapter 10 says that, that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, confess the word that you want to have happen in your life. These are steps, beloved. This is not a, um, this is not a, 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 a progression of things that you have to do. That's not what we're trying to establish here. We are trying to get you to understand that these are preordained steps that you should walk in, not a how-to-do-it list, okay? Because a lot of times, I guess, we want to, mm-hmm, we want to um, use shortcuts, if you would, to get to our destination. Well, since God is looking for us to be conformed into the image of Christ Jesus, we can see that Jesus did not use shortcuts. If you would, you can see a time when he tried to get out of, in the Garden of Gethsemane, the steps that were preordained for him. But he came to the place of realizing, it's not my will, but your will that's going to need to be done. In other words, it's not the way I want to get it done, Lord. It's the way you've already prescribed for me. You know, if we were uh, trying to get from point A to point B, and someone gave us a road map, and uh, we had never been to uh, the place that we're going to, it would probably be smart for us to follow the road map that has already been given to us so that we can end in our destination. But I don't know, because we, a lot of times these are just some of the things that, that happens. Um, we, we try to get other people that we believe might know better than us 
to, to, to give us a shortcut. Okay, instead of doing what the Bible requires, it says that when he, the Holy Spirit, has come, he will guide you into all the truth. See, so then there is no shortcut needed, is it? There is no other way that, that, that we, we should establish. Is that correct? So then our job would be to, to stir up the gift that's in us, the Holy Spirit, is the gift of God the first thing that you would need to execute uh, the plan of God in your life? He's going to, if you look at it, write these down so that you can always go back and, and remember them. This is, if you would, this is the job description of the Holy Ghost. Okay, Jesus gave us the, the job description of the Holy Ghost. Okay, I kind of bring it up a lot because we need to to establish this and get this locked down into our lives, okay? So let's look at John 14, 26, John 15, 26, John 16, 13, and Acts chapter 1, verse 8, okay? I want you to, to know this. This is what Jesus said the Holy Ghost would do or his job description. 1426 says this, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I've said unto you. So the first two tenets of the Holy Ghost job descriptions would be that he would do this. He shall. This, the word shall there is an absolute imperative. Didn't say he would think about it. This is his job. He shall teach you all things. And he shall bring to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Okay? So the Holy Ghost job description is to teach you the things that are necessary for your life, to bring to your remembrance what the word has brought you to the place of hearing, what Jesus said to you. See, the, the Holy Ghost is not going to bring to your remembrance things that the psychiatrist said, the psychologist said. That's not his job description. You don't need him for that. Because you can uh, you can recollect things on your own, okay? But he wants to guide you, teach you all things, bring to remembrance whatever Jesus said, fifteen twenty six, again. But the Comforter, when he is come, he wh whom I will send from the Father, even the Spirit of Truth, he shall do what, which proceed from the Father. He shall testify of me. So the, the comforter is going to testify of Jesus. Again, he's not going to bring to your remembrance or testify of what the, uh, the, the, the doctrines of the world would say. I want, there's a delineation, a separation that Jesus brought here. He said, the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send, even the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth that comes from where? 
It comes from the Father. Notice it did not come from textbooks. Professors. That's not the spirit of truth that the Father will send to you. Okay? The Holy Ghost is is very specific here. He said the Holy Ghost will teach you, A-L-L, all things and bring all things to your remembrance what I have said. See, a lot of times we, we're listening to the wrong voices. We start off in a place that we never should have been visiting, okay? So then he's trying to get us to see. No, it's not because we are disdaining education. It's that you want the spirit of truth, not the spirit of possibility or hypothesis. Amen. Amen. See, because... Uh, psychiatrists and psychologists and, and professors, they will bring you information that's possible to be true. No, the Holy Ghost, the spirit of truth, okay? The, the, the essence of truth. Okay, let's do this so that we can hear it. I'm just reading what's there. 1526, uh, John 1426, 1526, 1613, and Acts chapter 1, verse 8. The spirit of truth, the essence of truth, does not have parts of truth. Anywhere you dig into the spirit of truth, it will all be truth. Okay? So I I just want you to kind of get that, understand that. Okay? So then we have in verse uh, chapter 6, Chapter chapter 16, verse 13, he's going on to to specify what the Holy Ghost is going to do, okay? How be it when he, the spirit of truth, has come, okay? Again, we're not talking about, uh, 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 we're not talking about the, the, the notions of the day, the temperature of the atmosphere, okay? That, that, that's the construct of, 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 of society. That's not what's going to happen here, okay? The comforter, who is the spirit of truth. You see the, the, how it flows. We're, we're talking about the same person. 1426, the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, okay? So then we're talking about the Holy Ghost. All right, y'all. Let me just, since I'm here, notice the comforter, is his job is not to make you feel good. Okay, according to what Jesus said, and Jesus is the one that sent the comforter Mm -hmm. in his name, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father shall send in my name, he shall teach you all things Mm -hmm. and bring all things to your remembrance, what I've said. Notice he said that the Holy Ghost has a personal identification. He is not it. It's he, the third person of the Godhead. This is so important to have in your life active that it was not, Jesus is not leaving it up for discussion. He said he. Well, I didn't feel, okay? He didn't say there was a feeling that had to be connected to that. He said when the, when the comforter, who is the Holy Ghost, when he comes, He will do what? Teach you all. He didn't come for the goosebumps. Okay, amen. Some people just think that. 
because they've experienced uh, things that they say, uh, I can say this is the, the, the Holy Ghost is doing this. Well, Jesus said the Holy Ghost, the person of the Holy Ghost, when he is come. All right, let's just keep on since we're here. Did he say um, the first time the, the comforter comes, he's going to do this, and the next time he's going to do that, and the fifth time he's going to do something else? No, he said when he is come. So that means that every time he's present, he's there to do something. He's there to teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that Jesus has said. And then when he, verse 26 of 15, chapter 15, when he, the comforter, is come, whom I will send to you from the Father, even the spirit of truth. Okay? And he said the spirit of truth is going to testify of Jesus. Okay? So a question, is he there to testify of your emotional feeling and response? No, he's there to testify of Jesus. So here you are. You hear this song that you kind of like, and this song takes you on an emotional journey, okay? And we have relegated that to what the Holy Ghost is doing. That's not what Jesus said. He said the spirit of truth, when he has come, the comforter, when he has come, he said he's going to testify of Jesus. Okay. I'm just trying to get some things in our in our understanding. He didn't say he's going to testify of what other people told you about Jesus. This is one-on-one experience. He's going to testify of Jesus. See? Why would we want to get someone else's opinion and then ask the Holy Ghost to, to testify of someone else's opinion when he came to testify of Jesus? Not testify of what Jesus did to someone else's feelings, but testify of Jesus. Okay? I, I'm taking my time to plow into this because we have been uh, uh, pulled away from the, the power of the scripture. Okay? The power of the word. And we've, uh, we did what the children of Israel did. They told Moses, Moses, you go up to the mountain, and then you tell us what God said. God wants a one-on-one relationship with you. And when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he's going to talk about what Jesus is, what Jesus said. You can go to the, uh, you can go to the, um, the, the history books and find out things that someone did, things that they want to do, you can't get that from a history book. But the Holy Ghost, the spirit of truth, is going to testify of Jesus. Okay? Let's go to 1613. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, has come? Again, the Holy Ghost, the comforter, or the spirit of truth, they are all the same person, according to what Jesus said, the one that was there. Okay, Jesus said, the spirit of truth, when he has come, he will guide you into, again, I love the word A-L-L, all means all, and that's all it means. So then the Holy Ghost's job is to guide you into the truth. He's going to teach you, okay, all the things that you need to know. 
everything that confronts your life, the Holy Ghost has a word of truth concerning that. And he wants not just to, 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 to cause you to, to, to experience it. He wants to teach you about it. He wants to, according to uh, 1613, he wants to guide you into it. He didn't just want to guide you to it. He wants to guide you into it. Okay? He's not looking for a goosebump or an experience. He wants to give you accurate information about the thing. Okay? He's wanting to guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will do what? Show you things to come. Okay? Just get these things lined up. Teach you all things. Bring all things to your remembrance. Then he's going to guide you into the truth, and he's going to show you things to come. So then when he gets here, okay, this is what he said, when he is come, he's going to guide you into the truth and then show you what's next. He didn't even want you to just stay where you are with the goosebumps. Amen. The goosebumps are not bad, but that's only the beginning of the work. Because once you have the experience, he's going to teach you about the experience and then guide you into the truth of the experience and then show you what comes next. I, I, all I'm doing is reading the scriptures. John 14, 26, 15, 26, 16, 13. Okay? Can we see that? Are, are you good with that? Did you take the time to write those scriptures down so you can go back and revisit it? Because this is not a, a place where it's just, well, Pastor said, Pastor Steve said this, right? No, no, the word of God said this. Okay? Why? Because he wants you to become accustomed to, used to, functioning in the things of the spirit. See? Because without that, you will go from uh, uh, goosebump to goosebump. And then if your goosebump is not tickled, you won't think it's God. See? So then if you don't think it's God because you are relegating everything to a feeling, then how can he guide you into what's next when you're still thinking about the goosebump that you had? Uh, they say this about uh, junkies, that the way that the drugs do is you get the high, the first high, and then every other time that you approach the drugs, you're trying to replicate the first high over again. That's what people chase. They want to go back to that first feeling. God doesn't want you to have to go back to the first feeling. He said what he will do when he has come, he's going to show you things to come. Amen. I'm hoping that you are aligning this into your heart so that you can have a better expectation of what God was doing during your visitation. You did have a goosebump. Got that. But he's not trying to use the goosebump as your gauge to understand his plan. Because the Holy Ghost job description is that he will teach you all things. Bring all things to your remembrance, what Jesus has already said, and he made it personal. He said, he said these things unto you. 
See, God is not interested in us trying to live another man's revelation. You remember what happened to the seven sons of Sceva? Paul came and he was preaching to him, and the man said, I adjure to the demon came. He, the, uh, the man said to the demon, I adjure you by this Christ that Paul preaches. <laughs> and the demon beat him up. Why? Because the man was trying to live off of another man's revelation. See, your life is personal to God, and he will take you at your pace. He's not trying to take you and move you at my pace. Amen. That's why he's going to bring to your remembrance what Jesus said to you. Upon this rock of revelation, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Why? Because it was personal. That's what Jesus told Peter. He asked everybody, who do men say that I am? Oh, they say that you are uh, uh, Elijah or another one of the great prophets. And Jesus said, who do you say that I am? He made it personal. And then Peter was the only one that responded. And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus responded to that answer and said, blessed are you, Peter, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. You didn't get this by watching other people's life. You got this by revelation of the Father. And I'll tell you, Peter, that I'm going to build my church upon revelations from the Father. That's why the Holy Ghost job description is to bring to your remembrance what Jesus said. He will build on that. See? He will teach you about the thing that Jesus said to you. Because he does not want you to be ignorant, brethren. See? Then he said that the spirit of truth, he's going to guide you into that truth. He's going to make that truth accessible so that you can walk in it, live in it, function in it. It will not be a distant word. It will not be a, a, a off, far off uh, revelation. It will be something that you can live in day by day. See, this is how we're going to stir up the gift that's in you, an abiding word. See? It, it doesn't make you selfish because that's my word. That's my revelation. No, it makes you complete. Mm, this is good, sir. It makes you complete. And when you are complete, then you can give to others because you are not lacking. Did you see that exchange? See, the Holy Ghost's job is to make you complete where you are. Because from that place of you being complete, now you can give to others. You cannot give to others what you do not have. Amen. See? And and he knows that. So then he's inviting you into fullness, inviting you into completeness. That's what the Holy Ghost job description is, to bring to your remembrance what Jesus said to you. Now you can live off of that. Then he said he will guide you into the truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatever he hears, that's what he's going to speak, and he will then show you things to come. The Holy Ghost has the, 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 the wherewithal to cause your expectation to grow, and then out of that expectation that he caused to grow, he will now show you what's about to happen. He will show you things to come. See? I mean, right there, we can be settled 
that I don't have to, okay, see, I don't have to uh, look at the, uh, the horoscope to try to figure out what's going to happen to me tomorrow. I don't even know why we ever did that. It was called a horoscope from the beginning. This is the horoscope, the, the way things look from the position of dread, apprehension, and fear. That's a horoscope. Okay? And so we don't need to look at things from the position of, of, of make us go into fear and trepidation. Is not the joy of the Lord the thing that strengthens us? So do I need horror to dis- describe and, and depict my future? Or would I rather have my future revealed because of joy? When the Holy Ghost has come, he will show you things to come. See? Because when you get to that place that's normal, then you will hear the scripture that God says, I'm not a man that I should lie, nor the son of man that I should repent. Have I not said it? Shall I not make it good? Have I not spoken it? Shall I not bring it to pass? See, now my expectation rests in the truth that God brings to me. And he, even the spirit of truth, see, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak of himself, but he will show you things to come. Again, so that you can see the five areas, he's going to teach you all things. He's going to bring all things to your remembrance that Jesus has said. He will guide you into the truth. He will show you things to come. And then Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So he's going to, he's going to do, bring all things to your remembrance, teach you all things, show you things to come, guide you into the truth, and give you power. Those are the five things. Again, I'll say that so that you can hear it. He's going to first teach you all things. Second, bring all things to your remembrance that I said to you. Did you notice that the all was in both of those cases? In other words, he was not leaving anything out, was he? Amen. If it's in your life, if it's in your spirit, let's cause it to be there because the Holy Ghost deposited it. He's going to teach you all things, bring all things to your remembrance. Then he said he will lead, guide you into all the truth. He will show you things to come, and he will give you power. When we stir up the gift that's in us, I want you to reference the process that you go through as you stir up the gift, as you allow him to bring things to your remembrance, as you allow him to teach you all things, as you allow him to guide you into all the truth, as you allow him to show you the things to come as you allow him to give you the power to stand, give you the power to move forward, give you the power to receive the revelation that causes you to be able to have steps on purpose at the right time. I mean, when we do this, the Holy Ghost, because he's doing his job, because he's faithful to do this, he can cut down on all of the lag that we have in our lives because we'll have the right timing already understood as he shows us 
the things to come. He will whet your appetite sometime. I can see that by giving you uh, uh, something that's uh, distant for you. But then he will bring it back to your remembrance. Come on, y'all. Look at this. He will give you something that's distanced from you, that there are some steps that have to be executed. And then he will not let that just stay there. He will come back and remind you that he said that to you. And then you'll understand because he's guiding you into that truth, then you'll be able to understand now is the time to, uh, to operate in that promise. I, I mean, you can go back and see it in the Old Testament, how God would, would, would give them a word, and then he would say, now move on that word. See, he would say stuff like, tomorrow. He, he told Abram, he said, uh, next year about this time. See? He'd already told him that he's going to cause all of his children, all, he, all of the children that he would have would be as the, the fans of the sea and the stars in heaven. He told him that first. Your seed is going to be like the stars in heaven and the sands of the sea. And then he told him about this time next year, we're going to start that process. See? He's going to bring to your remembrance what he said. He didn't forget it. He's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Since he said it, he's going to make it good. See? He's, he's wanting you to learn the steps of tr- trusting him when you can't track him. Amen. When you can't see what he's doing, that's the time you should trust him. Because he's already spoken by the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, and told you, this is what I'm going to do. Then he'll bring it to your remembrance. And you'll say, oh, yes, that's what you said, Lord. Notice some things that that's in here. He said that he would do it. See? Because he's the one that's faithful that's promised. So he's the one that's going to do it. I don't have to do it. All I need to do is submit to the timing of God. See? That makes our life pretty easy. I don't have to try to be a God unto myself. I can simply submit to the God of life. Okay, so that was just the, the first part of a teaching that you've got to got to lock that down. You, you you've got to function there because then our dependence would be on the Father and the Holy Spirit that He sent, so that my life would be easy. Jesus said, "My yoke is easy, my burden is light." So then, if I'm doing the work, that's not an easy yoke, is it? Amen. This is how I stir up the gift that's in me. Every promise from God requires corresponding actions from us. His word must be resident in our mind and become active in our lives. Because James chapter 1, uh, verses 14 through 24 says that faith without works is dead. Okay? So let's, let's, let's investigate that. Let's kind of dig into these things. James chapter 1, 14 through 24, okay? And he says that every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Don't try to do it yourself. You're going to allow your lust, your demand to move you. He says that when, when you do that, look at the process, 
is drawn away of his own lust, and he is enticed. In other words, he starts chasing other things, doesn't he? He's enticed. He's looking at this, that, and the other. And then it says, when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brother. Okay? So I want you to see this, that when I start trying to do things on my own, without a revelation from God, then I'm going to try to do it, and it's going to take me away because of my lust, and I'm going to then go according to that which entices, tricks me, or fools me. You know, sometimes we'll try to do uh, uh, things in our life that sound like what God said to us, you know, it wasn't what he said. It just sounded like. That's what the devil did from Jump Street. <clears throat> God told him, told Adam, do not eat of this tree. And then the devil said, hath God said? Are you sure it was God that said you couldn't eat of a tree that's good? It's, it, it looks so pretty. And it's good for food. Surely. God wouldn't mind you eating the food that he provided for you. Surely he was enticed, wasn't he? And then when lust hath conceived, it brings forth sin. I want you to understand again a definition of sin that would help you. Sin is not the actions that you do that are wrong, okay? Sin is better defined First, if you look at it in the concordance, the first definition is to be without a portion. Naturally, if I don't have my portion, I'm going to do the wrong things. Did you see that? Jesus told us man is supposed to live by every word. He's not supposed to live by bread alone, but he's supposed to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So here, that truth was not, that truth was the truth when Adam was born. Okay, when he was formed, that was already the truth. That's why God told Adam, don't eat from this tree. Because then you're going to think that you have to uh, provide for yourself by plucking something and eating something you should not have. Because I gave you the instructions about the, the food that you should eat. Every tree. That's in the garden. You can eat of except this one, Adam. So it wasn't about what you provided, Adam. It's about the God that has provided for you every single thing that you need. He has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He's already given us that. So when we go back and we read the account of what happened, then we've got to go back and find out how that process was working. The devil caused Adam to be drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And then when lust hath conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, who is only toying with you, sin when it is finished brings forth death. Say, say, you're going to enjoy it. The Bible says that there are seasons of pleasure in sin. Okay? But it's not a life of pleasure. 
It was just season of pleasure. See? And the devil, because we have these lusts working in our members, will try to get us to make sure that this season is a season that we can enjoy instead of having the life that we can enjoy. Right quick, you can understand that a season is not a life. A season is a short span of time that must come to an end. Life was intended to be eternal because life is in God and God does not die. And lust, verse 15, James chapter 1, have, have lust, when lust is conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Okay, let me just, I, I, I see this now. So then when lust brings forth sin, and when sin is finished, the only thing you can exist off of is the death that the lust made you take and choose. Lust, when it is conceived, it produces or brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, it produces or brings forth death. So then all I have to participate in after the lust is conceived is I I can only participate in death. I can maybe make my death better than your death, okay, because I'm not hurting like you hurting right now. That's because my season is about to change. I'm hoping that you're seeing this. See, and then while we're here, we'll compare ourselves among ourselves, and the Bible says they that do that is not wise. But it looks like I'm doing better than you. Well, you still are going to be in that season of sin because you're still submitting to a lust that's drawing you away. See? That's why the Bible asks us, well, tells us, having done all to stand, stand therefore. Why are you going to give in to a lust? Because you didn't understand that when lust is conceived, it's going to bring forth, produce, put in front of you sin. It's going to make you think that you've got to do it on your own and for yourself because you don't have a portion. When I start thinking like that, then next thing that's going to happen, when the sin is finished, death is your only choice now. And ever how high up on the, 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 the ladder of death you choose to live, exist, that's up to you. You can think of all kind of uh, rich and famous people that day by day, all their choices are choices that are producing for them and in them death. They will do things that, that says that my child um, wants to be a woman even though he was born a man, and I'm going to make that work for him because I have the money for all the medical and surgical things that would cause him to be happy. All you're giving him is a season of sin. And there is pleasure in that season, but the end of that season is going to be 
we, we're doing the right thing because we, we, the child knows what he wants to do. No, the child doesn't. That's why God gave you the responsibility of training up the child in the way they should go. It did not say to train up the child in the way they wanted to go. It said the way they should go. Amen. I was young, and I didn't like vegetables. And so I would eat uh, all of the things that I like, and most of the things that I like were things that were sweet, that had what I thought was a good taste. And then as you get older and you understand uh, how the body actually works, then you say, I can't keep eating garbage because this garbage that I eat is producing garbage in my life. I'm now not healthy. And my choices, again, he said, when lust is conceived, it brings forth sin. And when sin is finished. So even though I didn't know that I was participating in sin, there are no other choices for me because I played with the thing. I played with my lust, and my lust takes me to sin. I don't have my portion. That's what sin means. And now because I don't have my portion, it's going to, mm-hmm. when I don't have my portion, I'm going to do stuff like steal other people's portions. Amen. Amen. And now when I can't steal any longer because the laws of, of life have caught up with me in my stealing, and now the only thing that's left after these decisions is death for me. Do not err, my beloved brother. This is the way that it works. Again, all I have done is take you to the scripture, read the scripture, and the truth that's in the scripture can now be seen. There should be no doubt that this is how the devil has always defeated us because he gives us an an, an offering of sin, which is going to bring an offering of death. Okay, let's do it this way. An offering of sin will bring a guarantee of death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Then he says, understand that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And it comes down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variableness, neither a shadow of turning. He says the good gifts come down to you from above. They don't come up from below. Okay, let's do this. He, he, he specified here, if it's a good gift and if it's a perfect gift, it has to come down from the Father of light. Correct? It comes from above. So then if a, if a gift comes to you from below, you know it's not from the Father. What about a gift that comes to you from the side, from the front, from the back? He said if it's good and perfect... It has to traverse from above. It comes down from the Father of lights. Um, I've I've been told, I don't know how this works for myself, but most of the people that are caught up in drugs, someone that was beside them, in front of them, behind them, told them that this was a good thing. It did not come from above, it did not come from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. 
because as soon as you try and get the high that you got for the first time, you're going to try to get that high again. Now you got to go back to people that are in front of you, behind you, on the side of you, information that comes from below you, and now you're living your life trapped in the place where you cannot get truth that would cause freedom because every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above. See? But we will try to get uh, uh, an experience from people in front of us or on the side of us or behind us or below us. And we think some kind of way that's going to make everything all right. Every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And when lust is conceived, it brings forth sin. And when sin is finished, it brings forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and coming down from the Father of light. I mean, these things are just in there so that we can know. It comes down from the Father of light. So then there should be no darkness connected to what I think is going to be my advancement. There should be no darkness in it. It comes down from the Father of light. It will not be shady, if you would. Because shade causes light to be portrayed in a, in a different manner. The Father of light wants us to function because everything that he has is truth, and truth then makes you free. It doesn't set you free. It makes you free. In other words, it strengthens you from the inside so you can live from the inside out. Because if I just set you free, I can put you in a place where light is today. But if I keep uh, thinking on the, the, the my own lust, then I'm going to cause that light that was there to become dim. And now that I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm accustomed to functioning in dim light, I will then be fooled by darkness, won't I? See? So it, it, it's got to start in light and continue in light. But the path of a just is uh, as a light that shineth more and more until the perfect day. See, that's Proverbs chapter 4. See, the path of the just, the choices that the just people make is as light that shines and gets brighter. It shines and continues until the perfect day. Amen. That, that's my path that I'm going to be on. I, I, I'm not going to go from light to, to shade, from shade to darkness. I'm going to have my path is from, as a light that shineth more and more. Amen. See, when we think from the position of what the Word of God says, then everything that we need is opened up to us by revelation because the Holy Ghost is going to guide us into. He's going to bring to our members what Jesus said so that I can walk in this new discovery as he shows me things to come. Amen. I mean, these are the truths that are in front of you, beloved. Every good gift and every perfect gift is uh, from above and coming down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variableness. 
there is no variableness. He's not going to throw a curveball at you. He's not going to try to trick you into doing what his word has said. He's going to speak truth. There is nothing in his mouth that is forward. Nothing. It's going to always be straight as a string. It's not going to be shades. See? (laughs) He's not trying to get us to function in 50 shades of gray. Amen. See? Those are are, are things that are said so that you can uh, give yourself an excuse and a reason why you don't have to walk in truth. I mean, I don't know. Somebody help me. If it's gray, that means it's not clear. And because you have presented 50 shades, that still means that all 50 shades of this gray is not clear. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, it's clear. Continue in my word. Because when you continue in my word, you will be disciplined, my disciples, in what you do. And you will know the truth, and the truth that you are intimate with will cause you to be free. See, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and coming down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variableness. I don't need to find a darker and or lighter shade of gray. So if I, if I ended up in the middle of gray, then I want to try to walk in this gray, then I can either go to the left and it'll be darker shades of gray, or I can go to the right and have lighter shades of gray. No, he wants me to walk in pure light that has no variableness, no shadow of turning. Of his own will, we got to hear us with the word of truth. With the word of what? Okay, he didn't say the word of convenience. The, the, the word of approval that the world would give. He said, he begat us with the word of truth. Why? So that we should be a kind of the first fruits of his creatures. So that he's taking you back to Genesis, isn't he? Amen. He's taking you back to a time when there was no gray in the thing, that everything operated according to his word. It's a very interesting thing, and it's still, it's still active and available. But that when he made Adam, everything in the earth, which was made for Adam, responded to Adam. Amen. You do remember when God told Adam to name all of the animals, the next thing that happened in the Bible says, and Adam brought to the, I mean, God brought to Adam everything, every creature that he should name. Adam did not have to go and chase our creature. He didn't have to chase the gnat. The gnat came, and then Adam saw it, and Adam said, this will be a gnat. Everything in, in the world is created for that so that it will respond to the man. God didn't tell Adam to go and, and plant the trees and the, the, uh, the things that were in the ground. God placed Adam in perfectness. Amen. I mean, when you go back and look at that sometimes, I mean, it was just things were just so grand that there was a, a river. Oh, just turn over there. Goodness gracious. I'm trying to get to a, another place, but I just want you to see 
what um, what what was available in, Gen- in Genesis chapter two. This is what Adam was placed in. Okay, start in verse one. Thus, the heavens and the earth were finished. They were what? They were finished. So then there was nothing else God needed to do. Is that correct? Because the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because He had, because in it he had rested from all his work, which God had created and made. These are the generations of the heaven and of the earth. He said these are the what? Generations. In other words, he just perpetuated it. Is that correct? It was not meant to end. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord made the heaven, the earth and the heavens. Every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb of the field before it grew, before it grew, while it was in the earth and not seen. So please get this and understand this. God had already made provision that the man could not see. Okay? Before it grew, every herb of the field, before it grew, for the Lord God had not caused uh, caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till the ground. But there went up a mist from the earth, and this mist watered the whole face of the ground. It came from where? Up out of the ground. So the sustainability was already built in. Is that correct? Plants that had not yet been seen were already in the provision for man. Same, God has not changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So everything that you need is already in you. And it watered the whole verse, uh, face of the ground. Verse 7, And God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. <clears throat> verse 8, And the Lord God planted a garden. Who did the planting? He put this garden in the earth. For his man Okay Alright And he put The man He put there the man Whom he had formed And out Of the ground Out Of the supply The Lord God <clears throat> Made the Lord God To grow every tree That is pleasant to the sight And good for food The tree of life also In the midst of the garden I'm, I didn't see that to just now y'all the Lord God made this tree of life to grow out of the, gar- the ground. That's what he said. Out of the ground, the Lord God made to grow every tree that is pleasant to sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden. He made it to grow out of the supply. I'm hoping you get this. I mean, there it is. It's in your Bible. I didn't sneak over there and write that in there. There it is. <laughs> In the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and a river. Let's listen to this. And a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from thence it was parted and became four heads. And the name of the first is Pison. 
and Python means that which compasseth the whole land of Havilah. And he says, in this river, because of this river, there was what? Gold. I mean, God made the exchange of money available for his man. It came because of the river, which the Lord God had placed in the garden and made to grow. And the name of, and, and the gold there of verse 12, the gold of that land is good. Said that gold is what? It was good. And there was bedellum and the onyx stone. These are sources of income that God made to be at that river. He caused them, to, the river stirred up, turned, because it, it, it parted into four heads. And because of that separation, because of this, this churning that's in water, okay? It says that the gold came up and the bedlam and the onyx stone. And the name of the second river is Gihon. And it says, this is the same, that which compasses the whole land of Ethiopia. So this river specifically had a, a, a function and purpose, didn't it? It, it? it covered, if you would, if one was on the east and one was on the right, the other was on the left so that the whole earth is going to be affected by the supply that God already put in the earth. And the third, the name of the third river is Hedekel, which is that which goes toward the east of Assyria. And the fourth is Euphrates. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it to do what? To dress it and keep it. In other words, God is saying, I've blessed you. Continue in my blessing. Cause my blessing to be advertised to everybody. Dress it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Notice he didn't tell the man that he couldn't eat from the tree of life. He told the man not to eat from the knowledge of good and evil. Both of them were there. Like I said, when I get to him, I'm going to talk to Adam and say, but why did you choose this one, man? And probably at the time I asked, then God would reveal to me how good that tree looked. Isn't that what it said? It was good. It was pleasant to the sight and good for food. Every tree had this good-looking part to it, and it was good for food. Every tree, he said. And then out of the ground, the Lord formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. God told him, give, the, give everything a name. And then God caused everything to pass before the man so the man could do the work. That's the way God thinks. Amen. He's giving you supply. And then he wants you to be able to watch that supply come into your life. And then he'll tell you, now, do this with that. And then he'll make sure that you can execute. He brought it to the man. 
And since God's no respect of persons, as he did that for Adam, he wants to do that for you. Amen. Amen. See, but we have to get to the place where we depend on him rather than question him. See? That's why God had to send the spirit of truth so that he can lead you into this stuff that he's already provided for you, that he can bring to your remembrance what Jesus has already said to you, that he can uh, uh, show you the things that are to come, that he can testify of the goodness of God, the goodness of Jesus that put you in this land in the first place. He did not place us here to suffer, beloved. Well, well, there's all this stuff in the earth. I get that. I understand that. From the end of chapter 2 to Revelations chapter 22, that's the mess that the devil caused, caused in the earth. But Genesis 1 and 2 and Revelations, I think it's 21 and 22, that's the plan of God that's always been available to us. See, so then go back to that. Allow the Holy Ghost to lead you into the truth of Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. Again, Holy Ghost is going to show you what's in Revelation chapter 21 and what's in Revelation chapter 22. Because both of those are, are, are book, what they call them, bookends book to the plan of God. From Genesis chapter 3 to Revelation 21 is the mess that we had to walk through until we became redeemed. Because Jesus came and he redeemed us from the curse of the law. Not from some of it, from all of it. So he put us back in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. When everything in the earth responds to the man because the man's heart is unto the Lord, following him. I mean, that's that's the way it's written for us. See? So, that was just a quick, um, kind of like a review there, so that you can see what, what, what he's put in place for you. This is the, the gift that we must stir up. See? And, and, and then stop living our lives by the things that come from the side, the back, below us. Start living from the, the perfect gift that comes from above, from the Father of lights in whom there is no variableness, neither a shadow of turning. He's not going to be saying, well, I can't do that. There's no shadow of turning. What he started, he's going to finish. See? He did this so that we would know of his own will. He begot us with the word of truth, back to James chapter 1, verse 18, that we should be a kind of the first fruits of his creatures. He, he wants us to operate in that first love. That's what he said. You've, you've, you've left your first love. You, you left my intent for you, and you became intent on doing your own thing. See, let's get back to the place where we can trust in the Lord with all of our hearts, that we don't lean to our own understanding. In all of our ways, we acknowledge him, and then he directs our path. See, he knows where everything that is in the earth 
has been placed there to bless man. He knows where that is. And he can cause you to have a revelation that would allow that thing that he placed to bless you to become active in your life. Amen. That will take us away from all of the dependence upon government. Because in the beginning, that's not the way it's supposed to work. It worked because God put in the earth everything that man needed and the things in the earth respond to the man. But we have, we have, this is what has happened. We have caused the land to be polluted with sin. And that's why the, 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 the things that are in the earth uh, do not come forth. Righteousness makes that, makes that, puts that back in, in, in alignment. See? And when you allow righteousness, then God is able to release uh, the things that he intended for you all the time. Let me show you that so that you can see it. Um, so that you can see how God uh, wants you uh, to live. In Psalms, um, Psalm 65, okay? Psalm 65. We can get back to what God intended. Jesus redeemed us from the curse. So then we go back to hearing the word of God. We go back to being led by the spirit of God, who's going to lead us into all the truth. Bring to our members what has been said in Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2. The first conversation, if you would. All right, let's look at... um, uh, chapter 65, um, verse 9, he says, God, you visited the earth, and you watered the earth. Thou hast greatly enriched the river of God. Remember we noticed those those rivers, that, that river that uh, had four heads? Okay. So, um, you you enriched the river of God, which is full of water. Thou preparest uh, them corn, and thou hast provided it. Thou waterest the ridges thereof abundantly. Thou settest the settlest the furrows thereof. Thou madest it soft with showers, and blessed the spring thereof. Thou crownest thy year, the year with thy goodness, and thy paths do drop fatness. They drop on the pastures of the wilderness. I didn't know that wilderness even had pastures, but that's what he said. All of these blessings drop on the pastures of the wilderness, and every little hill rejoices on every side. The pastures are clothed with uh, flocks. The valleys are covered with corn, and they shout for joy, and they also sing. See, he, he has this in there so that we can function and, and, and allow his word to, to be established. <laughs> and, and it goes on to in 68. Again, just kind of read these, these four or five uh, uh, passages of scripture so that you can see how that when we do our part, then God 
Okay, let's go to 60. You just do it. Look at 66. <laughs> Whew. That says, God be merciful to us and bless us. Cause his face to shine upon us. See, I think about this. That thy way may be known upon the earth. That thy way may be known where? Upon the earth. See, he's talking to what why the land is not doing. Watch this. That thy way may be known upon the earth. Thy saving health among the nations. Let the people... Praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. O let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Uh, for, uh, for, the, for thou shalt judge the people righteously and govern the, the nations upon the earth. Think about that. Let the people praise thee, O God. Let the people praise thee. Then, verse 6, shall the earth yield her increase. And what will happen? Our God, even our own God, shall bless us. God shall bless us, and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. He says when we get our heart right, then God will allow the earth to yield her increase. He didn't say to yield fruit there. He said the earth will yield whatever is on the inside of the earth that is needed for the man. The earth will do what? Yield their increase. Don't you remember that God said to Deuteronomy because they were so uh, disobedient that the heavens would shut up, would be like brass, and the earth would be hard? He told as soon as Adam sinned, that's the first thing he told him. He said, now you're going to have to dig. Your earth, the earth is not going to, uh, the, it's not going to do what you wanted it to do before. Sit back there as soon as you can see these. Just tie them together. Um, chapter 3, okay, let's look at what happened in in, in verse 17. This is what he said unto Adam because he did, because he didn't listen to God only. He started trying to get information from around him. The woman said, oh, I tasted the fruit and the fruit was good. God didn't deal with uh, the issue until the man did it. Wasn't that the woman was was uh, uh, ignorant? She just was deceived. The Bible says. But if the man, if after Eve had bit the apple, if if Adam had said, "Father, forgive us," uh, then then what we know is First John one nine. We see it over there in the in the in the in the end of the book. But it was in God in the beginning. If Adam had said, "Father, we have sinned against thee," then God would have just said, "Okay, good." If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. He would have did that immediately. But Adam didn't do that. He went to blaming the woman. It's the woman that thou givest me. (laughs) Verse 17 says, And unto Adam God said, Because you have hearkened to the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree, which I commanded thee, (laughs) saying thou shalt not eat of it, he says, Cursed is the ground for thy sake. See, all of the stuff that was just coming immediately upon thought, if you would. Adam thought about uh, a peach, and there Adam would now be in the presence of peaches. Peaches would be coming toward him, if you would. Because he said, blessings will come upon you and overtake you. See? So now, Adam, because you did this, he said, the, 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 um, the ground is cursed for thy sake. 
and in sorrow shall thou eat of whatever comes out of the ground all the days of thy life. Thorns and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the uh, herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shall thou bread, shall you eat your bread, until thou return to the ground. For out of it thou wast taken, from the dust thou art, and dust you shall return. See? So, so Adam, the process of sin, don't get it confused. Because when lust is conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Do not err. This is the way it works. So now, since you did this, Adam, the ground is cursed for thy sake. When it was just given everything that you needed without end, now you're going to have to go and dig it up. See? So he wants us to go back to the place where the word of God, which is uh, 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 the word of, we, where he begot us out of the word of truth, so that we can be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Wherefore, my beloved, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak, slow to wrath. He says, stop complaining. Be slow to speak. Be slow to wrath. Get back to the place where you hear the Spirit of God, which is going to lead you into all the truth. You know, uh, I don't know why we continue to rehearse our pain with everybody. See, as we re- rehearse our pain, then we're not listening at what the Lord is wanting to say for our lives. He said, so will you shut up? Be slow to speak. Be slow to wrath. Why? Because your wrath, verse 20, the wrath of man does not employ or does not work the righteousness of God. When you all upset then you're not interested in uh, the thing that God is wanting to reveal to you that should be in your life. You're still singing broken records. And he says, I need for you to learn to listen rather than speak in your anger. Because your anger, your wrath does not employ, does not work the righteousness of God. Because of this, wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in the glass. For he beholdeth himself. Mm, look at this. Wow, wow. He beholdeth himself, and because he knows all of the things that he's done, he goes away from looking at the glory that God has given him, and straight forth, straight forth he forgetteth what manner of man he was. When you start comparing yourself among yourselves by yourself, it's not wise. So when you look at yourself and you see all of the things that, that, that other people, quote, close, quote, made you do, you forget what manner of man you were made that you was. See, we, we, we've, got to, we've got to allow the Spirit of God to, 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 to allow his word to germinate on the inside so that it can produce, because every promise of God comes with corresponding action. It, it, it must be in our lives. See? In the next chapter, he tells us, for faith without works is dead. 
And why is it dead? Because it is alone. Glory to God. It is alone. See? We, 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 we now are trying to function out of our own understanding. And that understanding does not allow any uh, a, a, a life to take place. See? So, so again, just you, you already there in James chapter one. Go to um, verse seventeen. Well, so as you can see it, start at verse fifteen. Fourteen. Okay, fourteen. For what profit? That uh, my brethren, that a man should say, have faith, and have not works, can faith save him? Or if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and you say, depart, be in peace, be warm, be filled, notwithstanding, you don't give them the things that are needful for the body, what profit it? Even so, because of this, understand this, that if it has not works, faith, if it has not works, is dead because it is alone. So then here we are trying to function and, 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 and decree things, but we don't have corresponding actions. So then we have faith because we heard it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. We heard it, but we don't have corresponding actions. It says that that faith is, okay, he, he didn't say it's, 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 it's bad. He said that faith is dead because it's not, it's alone. It does not have any corresponding action. There is no feet to your faith, no intention to do it. He just told us if you're only going to be a hearer and you're not going to be a doer, then you deceive your own. The devil ain't even your problem. He says, if you're going to hear the word and you don't do the word, you deceive your own self. Amen. See? So then we've got to stop the process of leaving the, the word that we hear, the faith that came to us, leaving it alone. We have to, we have to support the word that we heard with corresponding actions. That's why he said that you got to uh, stop being so quick to, to, to speak, quick to be mad, because your corresponding actions are not the actions of love, because love covers a, a, a multitude of sin. Okay? Biblical faith requires actions. Intellectual faith is static. Therefore, it produces nothing but frustration Doubt, lies, and defeat. That's faith that's dead, being alone, no life, no power, no possibility of getting anything done. And because of surroundings, atmosphere, we have began to lean toward that process rather than acknowledging God and allowing him to then direct our past. We'd rather 
walk over the place that we've already traversed over again, 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 and again. See? We rehearse over and over those things that were not profitable the first time. If it was not profitable the first time, beloved, let me just let you know, it's not going to be profitable, profitable the 15th time. And I always ask this about our past. If you didn't like your past the first time, what makes you think you're going to like your past by bringing it up again and again and again the next time? It's still going to be the same past that you didn't want to have. For the wrath of man does not employ or work the righteousness of God. Lay it aside, all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word that is able to save your souls, being doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. But the choice is yours. Your way or God's way? God's waiting on you today. Father, we just thank you and we bless you for your word that you sent to us to to, to get us to stir up the gift that's on the inside of us, that we would have an abiding word, Father, faith in action, Father. Thank you for causing that to be understood by us so that we can lay aside the things that have easily beset us, that stop us from flowing in the goodness, that stop us from enjoying all that you have placed in the earth for us. Thank you, Father. We choose no longer to, to sweat it out and work it out, but we are going to believe our way to victory by doing what your word has said for us to do. Help us and strengthen us, Lord, that we would give up our way Choose your way, which is the right way. We give you praise for that, sir. We give you glory and honor, committing it to you as done in the matchless name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who is Lord and Savior, and the redeemed of the Lord said together, amen. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Well, again, as we uh, normally do, we give you an opportunity to um, ask any questions or comments about the ministry tonight. And we do that uh, not to put you on the spot, but to give you an opportunity to give testimony because they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. So uh, with that being said, um, we're going to ask area code 404-552-4742. Area code 404 Okay, see, and this is what happens uh, to, to, wow. So they just disconnected from the phone call. And again, I understand that. But if we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony and the other people didn't hear your testimony because they disengaged, that's not the way this thing works. You don't have to give us your great revelation. You can just say thank you for what was ministered tonight, and then we can go from there. Okay. I'm not asking you or putting you on the spot here. I'm giving you an opportunity to let other people hear as iron sharpens iron. I'm giving you an opportunity to let other people hear that it is your decision now to walk in the word that was just uh, presented to you. Area code 404-490-7875. You have the mic. Any questions or comments about the ministry tonight? Area code 404 490 
7875. You have the mic. Go ahead. You, you play every week. And I'm on the, on the line listening. It just gets brighter and brighter. To me, you pay, you paint and put a perfect picture. It's a blank canvas when you start. When you finish, it's just painted so perfectly. I got a whole lot of meaning out of this. I, it's too much for me to go into now, but I just, I, I can see it a whole lot better now. So I appreciate that. Amen. Amen. Thank you. But that is what we're here for. Is uh, This is not a, 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 a post where I just come and, 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 and spew out my views and say what you got to do. No, I'm giving you an opportunity to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying unto you. Amen. Thank you for that. Area code 404-536-7829. You have the mic. Area code 404-536-7829. Any comments or questions about the ministry tonight? Yes. Um, earlier when you ministered on on the horoscope, I've always been tempted in that area, which I don't really read it because I know it's not uh, good spiritually. But with you breaking down the, the, the horoscope, portion of it. It really helped me to be more adamant about not being tempted in that area. And that I think, I'm not sure it was the last book, but you was reading from chapter 65. I don't know what book it was. I was trying to follow you, but I don't know what it was. Psalm 65, like 68. Um, Just just take them and put them together because the the earth is warning. God wants the earth to give her increase, but if we ain't going to do what he said, we're going to be lacking in the increase. <laughs> so you said the whole chapter through chapter 68, 65 through 68? Yes, 65 through 68, and you'll see a connection okay. there. Because in 68, he's going to say that the Lord daily loads us down with benefits. Okay. And we like okay. that part, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Psalm 65, so 68. But we just don't do our part by allowing righteousness to be our guide, see? And then we'll just say, mm-hmm. well, that's the way I felt. You know, God knows my heart. Yes, he does, but he wants to bless your heart. <laughs> Amen. He really does. Thank you. And so those are the things that we said. I'm glad to do it. That's why we're here. Amen. And, again, we would invite everyone, um, as you uh, have heard the, the word of the Lord, and God prompts you to be a blessing and sow a seed here uh, at LiveDeliverance.com, just simply go to the website. And uh, be obedient to God. Um, we're not trying to mandate that you give a big gift. No, be obedient to God. God blessed the woman that gave two mites. Jesus told the woman that gave two mites, this day you're going to be blessed. Okay? So it's not about quantity. It's about obedience to God. If he tells you to give a, a, a faith seed that you might not have in your possession, Ask him, how do you execute that function? You might give a little today, a little tomorrow, a little the next day, and God will cause the, the, the earth to give increase because you're simply obeying him. See? We, we put ourselves in bondage because we say, whoo, I heard $100. And if you don't have the $100, what do you have in your hand today? And then say, okay, God, I'm writing down $100. I'm giving $10 toward that $100, then he'll say stuff to you like two days later, whatever that time frame is, he'll say, uh, give the $10, to, and you'll be obedient. Now you cause the flow of God because he's watching everything that we do from the position of our heart. See? Mm-hmm. If he tells us not to look at, at, at his hands, 
that he's not looking at our hands. He's looking at our heart. But you don't forget that you committed the $100. You just say, okay, God, how do I do that? When he told you to give the $100, do you think he didn't know you didn't have $100 in your bank account? But he's trying to bless your bank account by your obedience. See, these are the things that we have to learn about the Spirit of God. He's going to take us from defeat and get us accustomed to walking in victory, step by step, day by day. Amen. Amen. Well, as I always do, I would like to uh, say the ironic prayer over you that may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and may he be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Until the next time, next Monday, we'll talk to you then. Be blessed. Shalom.